The message this morning is called From Anxiety to Peace. Is anybody in here anxiety free in their life? Never. Philippians chapter 4. Yeah. That's where we'll start. We'll have quite a few scriptures this morning, but I'll try to keep it. A lot of it's going to be from Philippians, and some of it I'll just reference so you're not Bobby Bible flipping all morning. And then you forget what I'm even talking about because you're busy trying to find where I'm talking about what I'm talking about. So we've all experienced anxiety. We know that anxiety, some of us experienced it pretty severe where it actually starts to affect you in your body. You know, you'll forget things. You know, your mind isn't quite thinking right, do things a little wrong, or you get aches and pains. Muscle pains, neck pains, headache pains, just all over body pain. <laughs> if we allow it to consume us, it can end up in a lot of physical, permanent physical things that we could have in our lives. And, and chronic could even turn into chronic if we don't figure out a way to get ourselves out of anxiety and and it's hard when you're going when you're facing it's it's harder i believe thinking about facing it than it is when you start to face it and we'll discuss that why during this time paul apostle paul is believed to have written the book of philippians and during this time he was not at his highest point in his life he was in a prison when he wrote this letter he somehow musters up the encouragement to rejoice. You know, we've seen Paul in similar circumstances when him and Silas were in prison. And he had been beaten, thrown in prison. And that's a dark prison. It isn't like some of the prisons that we have today. It, he didn't have a bed or nothing. And, and, him, and, Paul and or him and Paul and Silas started to sing praise to the Lord. So, and I believe that he writes rejoice more in this book than probably all the other books put together when he talks about rejoicing. So, the first highlight in anxiety to peace is to rejoice always. In chapter 4, he starts with this, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my clearly beloved. I beseech Idias and beseech Seneca that they may be the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat the also true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with others my of other my fellow laborers, fellow laborers, sorry whose name are in the book of life. And he goes on to say, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, he had to remind them, not just to rejoice, but again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And this he says, Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, 
with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, it's hard sometimes to understand. Be careful for nothing. Okay? Then he turns around and says, But by everything do prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So he's not saying that you shouldn't tell God what you want. But it's what he is saying is that you need to find a place to rejoice with God and be in thanksgiving in every situation. And he's not in a good one. We're challenged to be anxious for nothing, but instead to give praise and thanks. And we don't want to give praise and thanks a lot of times when we're going through something. Sometimes we feel that it's not genuine to start off with. And I know if you're like me, you don't want to be insincere. I don't think that God here is calling you to give insincere praises to him because that's going to mean nothing anyways and if you can't be honest about that to yourself <laughs> then then you're really hurting so he's asked i believe that in in my experience that even at my times when i'm experiencing the experience of going through that trial not knowing the answers course your mind we're going to talk about that how it wants to think about all the possibilities that if you can muster up enough inside of you to say lord i'm thankful for something find something find where to start i'm sure that paul sitting in this prison cell getting ready to write this letter can think of a lot of other better places to be you know, I mean, if you look back on Paul's life, you got to remember Paul. Paul was not what I would call a poor man from the beginning. Okay, he was not at, at down begging for food. Um, he lived a pretty decent life. He would be the probably an upper middle class type of person. I mean, he was headed perhaps even for the high priesthood. A shot at it, anyways, with where he was going, and he he had got himself. It's obvious that he had found a way into an upper echelon because of the teachers and such that he had. So obviously, he had things before that he could have been a lot more thankful for than where he's sitting at now. But how many times do we find ourselves in that same situation? We find it in our relationships with one another. We find that, that situation happening with work. I mean, you sit and watch your building burn. This isn't fair. You can think of all the things that isn't fair. And let me tell you something I've, I've seen in the last couple months. Uh, big jobs that I've bidded just go to the wayside, one after another. Boom, 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 boom. And nothing is moving. <laughs> so, um, and, and I can't be insincere. I know what's coming. I know all the payments that are coming, you know, and uh, um, and I don't enjoy giving all my money to the bank. 
I would rather give it to the church. <laughs> At least it does something. <laughs> Amen. Besides just going to the banker's pocket. Um, or go to Disney World or something. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but what does this start to do when you start to praise God? When you start to look upon what God has done for you, what or done for you in the past or doing for you now, the fact that He got you up, the fact that, you know, you're not down completely. You're still able to use your two hands this morning, you know, and you've got a sane mind, and that's a blessing. <laughs> well, if we, if what this actually does is it starts to recalibrate your mind. We can't leave out the scripture that says to renew your mind daily. You have to somehow start to recaliper this. Um, or else doom and the end of the world is always going to be at your hand. And it's going to be very hard to prevail in that mindset when you're constantly thinking it's going to fail. It's all going to fall apart. Everything's going to be a mess. And it's very difficult. And uh, and there's actually some scientists that that go that are persuaded that say that if you can think positive enough, your mind actually creates new um, pathways in your mind, neurological pathways. Um, and the reality is is that positive people, when they're thinking more positive, it seems that they gain more. It doesn't mean they don't go through just as much pain and suffering as you do, but they seem to gain more. <clears throat> but when we choose to state the gratefulness to God instead of focusing on a negative feeling, we often experience the weight starting to lift. I can't count the times in my life when my life was falling apart and I came into the church house and I worshipped God and afterwards I felt as though the weight was lifted that I came in with. So we're instructed to rejoice always and finding ways, things to rejoice over. There's always something. There's something in your life, some small grain of God sometimes it's just a whisper into your mind or thought that the Lord gives you um, to give you something to move forward with step two or the second thing in anxiety to peace is probably one of the most I believe one of the most fruitful I'm going to go on to read in verse 8 Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good rapport, if there be any virtue 
And if there be any praise, think on these things. Well, two is is to not proclaim untruths. You may, that lump may be cancer, but it may not. And if you dwell on that it is, you're dwelling on an untruth. You don't know that to be truthful. You haven't, how can you face an untruth? And of course, financially, we all go through this. Now, if you have financial responsibilities, when you hit this moment where you're like, this side, this column doesn't add up with this column, and that's not good. We need that to reverse. <laughs> we need the other column to be more than this column. <laughs> and, but you don't know it to be a truth yet. But in our minds is what we like to do, is what I like to do, is if I can determine all of the possible outcomes and prepare myself for those outcomes and how I'm going to react to those outcomes, then I am in control, right? But the problem is, is that trust and control can't be both. You can't have both. So, we have to fix our thoughts on what is true. The truth is, is that right now at this moment, you don't know how this equation's going to come out for the most part. And it may come out bad. But when you fix your thoughts on all the possibilities of the worst things that can happen and transpire, you're meditating your mind on the untruths. And what did the Word of God say to meditate on? My brother, and whatsoever things are true. True. So it's not true yet. You're not broke yet. You might be. It might happen. But you're not yet. <laughs> it might be cancerous. It might not. We don't know. There ain't no point in getting worked up about it yet. <laughs> there is a tremendous relief in reminding oneself of what is true and what you don't know to be true yet. Sometimes it's a relief to know, well, I'm not broke yet. The lights are still on today. <laughs> the bank can't take it this month. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to keep our minds on what is truth and what isn't and that's hard i know because we're trying to plan ahead we're trying to make things and, and this doesn't mean not to plan ahead this doesn't mean not to put in for your retirement this doesn't mean to not do those things it means that they shouldn't worry you to the point that you're so you're just you're obsessed with it and it's starting to overtake your mind um, so the second thing is let's not proclaim untruths proclaim what is true I mean we deal with the same thing with what we're going through with the church 
you know I've been asked all kinds of questions throughout the time I've been asked well what about splits and this and that and you know right now that's not there's no truce to any of those things right now we're all moving as one unit that's all I can tell you I can't tell you tomorrow you know but I can tell you today that we're moving forward amen that we've acquired the Lord's blessed us I believe the Lord's going to continue to bless us because of his work spiritually physically mentally and financially we need all of those things as a church body as individuals um, and if you're not a blessed people you can't serve others you know it's very hard to serve somebody when you don't have nothing to serve them with amen so <clears throat> there's a tremendous amount of relief in reminding oneself what is true and focus on what is known to be true so we keep ourselves focused on what we know to be true we know it's true that at this point in time we're planning on building a church up there we know it's true that we have a driveway now amen I know it is true we're going to move a lot of dirt up there. <laughs> Even after I moved what I moved, there's a lot of dirt to be moved. Um, but I will tell you this, is that once it's all done, it will look nice. It will function nice. It will be nice. Um, you won't have to worry about slipping out of the drive. I promise you it's not going to have enough incline to do that. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Now here's something. Um, Matthew six thirty four. This is number three, and I entitled it "The Strength of God." You know, we've all found ourselves focusing on 90% of the stuff that never happens. And what good did it do us? And it's hard. It's hard to train your mind. you got to tell your mind, don't think about that. We're not there yet. <laughs> when we get there, you know, and this, the next part of this, the strength of God. And when it comes, and how we receive it is very important um, we know that this whole thing is built on faith we talk about faith all the time faith gets easy it's almost easier for the big things to believe for I'm healed of this or that or or the this other thing but it's it, it's harder to train yourself to live that way to live that way in your mind to not allow all these negative thoughts and we've been around pessimistic people, all of us, I'm sure. And sometimes you just, I mean, the, the, the sky is always falling. I'm like, come on. <laughs> i got to live a little here too, amen. <laughs> uh, so Matthew 6 and 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take care of the things of itself, and sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. 
So in other words, it's sufficient to take enough for the thoughts of what you're dealing with today. And I know in my life that I'm probably, out of most of the people around me, the most focused on one thing. And I have the ability to focus on one thing and tune everything else out. And <laughs> but it is and a lot of times I do this some of this I do just because of who I am the TV thing that she's thinking about but, but when I'm out focusing on one thing at the job at a time and yes I understand the whole job is there but I but this I promise you the whole job doesn't done without all the little things in between happening <laughs> and and I found that I'm better if we say okay we're going to focus on one thing at a time get that completed and done you know um, just like the driveway out there that was supposed I just thought I was putting in a little bit of drive and and then it, it got into something else more than what it got in a lot of dirt moving <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I take it you've been out there. <laughs> well, I asked Donnie why he didn't offer you to drive the truck. Yeah. <laughs> like Donnie wanted to drive the truck. <laughs> So, but we had to focus on it, or else it was never going to get done. And the first thing was to dig the dirt and move the dirt. We got that done. Then you got to put the grown stone in. We got the stone in. Then you got to seed and and do all the other things. You know, uh, one of the biggest things I've ever preached on is focus. You got to focus on one thing at a time. You know. Um, and that's why we try to, you know, I, with the building, we're trying to make a committee up here to take care of looking at things, and and they're going to have to take care of one thing at a time, but they're taking care of one part of this procedure. Um, sometimes we got to spread out and do that, take care of one thing. But I, I don't, they don't have, that committee doesn't have to take care of putting all the stuff in. They just have to take care of picking it all out. But if you had to pick it out, and then you had to coordinate with everybody else, and then you had to put it all in yourself, it used to be more of a difficult of a job, doesn't it? <clears throat> so most of most of your fears probably won't happen, but if they do. We are assured that God will walk us through it. And you know how many times have you sat and went through your fears? And the truth of it is, is, is that you could be told what one person I was reading on through this study was told, was he went to his minister 
and laid out all this stuff that he had. And he looked at me and he said, you know, he said it probably won't happen, but it could happen, and it may happen. And so what if it does happen? When it happens, I'm sure that God's going to give you the strength to go through it like he did the last time through the other things you went through. Now, it doesn't make it feel any better because some things I still don't want to go through. <laughs> Just being honest. <laughs> but that is the truth, is that God's strength is sufficient for the day to where you're at right now. Um, and the other thing is that you don't get the strength of God before it's time. Think about examples through the Bible. Did Samson ever get the strength before the incident happened? No, he got the strength at the time that he needed it. Did David, was he that great of a shot? Or did he get that strength to shoot that shot at that point in time to do that? You know, he wasn't as confident as the Lord was. Because he got three stones and he only needed one. <laughs> Amen. We find that in ourselves. You know, I look at Brother Fred right now. Before he was going through the experience of cancer, I don't know that he had the strength to do it. You'd like to think that he did. But I know that while he's going through it, he has been a very strong person. I mean, spiritually and mentally and physically, all, all of his facets. But he has relied on the Lord for that strength. And well, I, I mean, I look at some people and I think, how in the world are you going through that? But that is how I'm going through it, you know. Um, I've had people look at my life. Some of look at my life, and I think, oh, God, how am we doing this? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> and, uh, but you find that you don't get that strength until you need it. Um, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In time of need. God never gave anybody the strength beforehand. If not, if he had already given it to you, then you already possess it and it's already yours. But if when you're going through that experience, it's his strength that flows through you, then you know it was the Lord that strengthened you. As I have been through many things in my life that darn near cracked me and should have cracked me and has cracked people going through similar things. And I'm sure there's things in your life too. But that ability to rely on the Lord's strength at that moment in time when you need it. I've had some times in my life going through emotional distress and people, I don't mean, how you're standing here talking to me. And I remember looking at him and saying, because of the Lord, because of his strength. That's the only thing that I have right now because I'm gone. If it was me, I'd fall into a million pieces and break down. <clears throat> so, he 
He is mighty to save when we need saving. Now, number four, which I mentioned a little bit, control or trust. You have to decide which you're going to have in life. You can't trust the Lord and have the control. And it's kind of like we talked about before. You sit down and you think, if this happens, then this is going to happen, that's going to happen, this is how I'm going to deal with that, and this is what I'm going to do with that. And we all go through that, and I understand that. But you have to find a way, eventually, to back off and say, well, Lord, I'm just going to have to trust you in whatever does happen. I mean, I, I'm, I know with my business especially, I think about those things. I got those things running through my mind every day. It's like a contingency booklet. And nine times out of ten, or probably higher than that, I get phone calls that say, we got this issue, we got that issue. <laughs> and it's constant. <laughs> and then we got to go deal with it. And we got to deal with it then and there. And... Um, So the problem is, is that trust and control cannot coexist. You can have control or trust, but you can't have both. And part of what we play through, and I'm going to mention these scriptures. You can go read them for yourself. Um, otherwise, we'd be here all morning. Um, what does it mean to put your trust into God? What examples do we have? Well, one problem with putting our trust into God is even through tongues and interpretation, through prophecies, we only get a piece. The problem with prophecy, prophecy is, is that we get this end result, usually. Okay? And that's even harder than the other, which is what God normally does with us is you only get today. You only get one piece of this puzzle. Genesis, believe, chapter 11. Abraham, I want you to go to the land I'm going to show you. Okay, got any more for me? <laughs> That's it. And the rest he had to discover on his own. And he had to deal with that every day. But he had to trust God. God told me to go to this land. And people are looking at him, what land? I don't know. I'm just going to this land. I'm, I'm headed this way. He's giving me a direction. And we don't like that because we're not in control now. We don't have control. We want to know. We, I mean, at least I do. I like to know what's the plan. <laughs> when I'm dealing with, with work every day, it's, you know, me and Reed talk every morning. And even though we talked yesterday about the plan, we talk about the plan again. It's important to have a plan. I'm not going to tell you that. Um, but yes, I will tell you, the plan usually doesn't go as planned. <laughs> Those are guidelines. <laughs> but I would like for God to sit down and tell me, I want you to do A, B, C, D, and then you're going to end up at Z, and this is how it's all going to happen. 
I want. I would like to know, well, what troubles am I going to go through? And then how are you going to deliver me out of those troubles once I get in them? Um, I would like to know that too. Would that make you feel better? <laughs> but that wouldn't be faith, would it? That wouldn't have nothing to do with faith. You would already know. Um, <laughs> another time was in Joshua chapter 3. Um, the children of Israel were getting ready to go into Jericho in the promised land. But there was a river in the way, right? You realize that that river was going at one of its strongest times of the year when it was flooded out. And those priests had to believe when they walked in there that that water was going to stop. Otherwise, they were carrying an ark of the covenant. It was a heavy gold thing. I mean, you know what I mean? It had a cart and everything, you know, or they have a cart ahead of things that slid through it. Yeah, they tried a cart one time. It didn't work out for them, did it? <laughs> but they had to trust God that when they walked out there, and Joshua was really praying that this worked. It's his first big act <laughs> as a leader. And he needed God to do something so the people would believe in him. <laughs> if this didn't work, we had a problem. But it did work. You know? Uh, but you see, if you go back and you look, Joshua had not yet been given any plans about Jericho at that point until he got across the river. Then he gets a plan for Jericho. And that sounds like a crazy plan. I want you to go march around and not say a word. Everybody be quiet. <laughs> that was the opposite of war. And you hollered to, to, uh, to intimidate your enemies. And, but they weren't supposed to do that until the last day. But you know until the last day, he wasn't told until then to do it. He didn't have the whole plan. We don't get the whole plan either. <clears throat> you know, Jesus told Mary and Martha, if you would just believe, you'd see the glory of God. Sounds simple. He shows up. Lazarus in the grave, and they're looking at him and saying, why weren't you here? And he looks at him and says, roll away the stone. Lord, he stinks. It's been four days. Are you crazy? <laughs> They're already ticked off at him. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they did. With what little mustard seed of faith that they had left in them, they rolled that stone away and seen their brother come up out of the grave. And he didn't stink any more than he probably did before he went in. <laughs> <clears throat> so we want to acknowledge your struggle to God and try to declare to him that you want to trust him remember the disciples even said Lord help us with our unbelief and, so, and that has to be us sometimes too even though we go through all these things, we see God move in our lives, do all these things. This flesh doesn't want to believe it. This flesh wants doom and destruction constantly. That's all it sees. <clears throat> but we have to declare that we trust Him 
and we want him to help us with that trust. Stop negative thoughts. This is probably the most, one of the biggest things to try to do, and this is a hard practice. Um, and there's always somebody out there to tempt you not to do this, but to stop negative thoughts within 30 seconds of them entering your mind and replace them with a healthy thought. Now that is hard. <laughs> well, because our nature, our nature is a sinful nature. And we're naturally born with unbelief. I don't want to believe that. <laughs> don't believe that. You had to prove that to me. Blah, blah, blah. But if we could take that negative thought and put a positive thought in there. And sometimes it's to this point. Well, you are going to die shortly because you have some illness or disease. But Lord, I have this time to do something. to do what I, whatever you want me to do. Then that's what I'm going to do. And then it's every day. Faith by God. <clears throat> and in the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, we find that one of the first steps uh, in being released from anxiety is our mind. Of thoughts. Romans 12 and 2 Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of the mind, that you may prove what is good. I kind of think on that, on prove what is good. Doesn't that kind of go with the Philippians verse to concentrate on those things which are truth, those things that are good? Amen. And acceptable. And the perfect will of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And these aren't easy things and easy practices to constantly do in our lives. But if we want to get rid of anxiety, I don't know any other way. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> okay. And number five, final one. <laughs> which is ultimately a reminder of what is to come and our position with God. You know, we're reminded that we are more, I think it's Matthew chapter 10, when we are reminded more 
that we are more than the birds and the fowls, that our position with God, that he loves us more than the animals of this earth. And one of my favorite ones and my favorite readings, which we'll read this one, Revelations chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of the heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of the heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto them, Write, for these words are true. Underline that. These words are true and faithful. And he said unto them, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst for the fountain of the water of the life of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So sometimes it's a reminder of what is to come. Sometimes you got to sit down, at least I do, and say, Lord, put that vision back in my mind. Let me see that again. Let me see the vision of what is to come. That heavenly place that you've prepared for me. Amen. Going from anxiety to peace, it's a daily battle. It's a daily affliction in our life. And some days you'll handle it better than others, but hopefully you got something in this message, some tool somewhere, so you can find your way back from that anxiety. Amen. And that feeling of emptiness, loneliness, because that's what anxiety will give you. It gives you the absolute doom, and that's no fun, because then you will miss out on any fun in, our, in your life. Amen. Praise the Lord.